Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Matthew, chapter 22. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Matthew, chapter 22. If you've been with us, you know that Jesus is being questioned by who? The religious leaders. Got a pen? Got a pad? You're going to need it. Jesus is being questioned by the religious leaders, the scribes and the Pharisees, and they're challenging him. They are questioning him. You know, this week, talking about questions, I got an email, and uh, you know I like to, you guys send me these emails, I like to read them to you. Now listen to this one, this, this email, this email is of questions that just don't make sense. Questions that don't make sense. For example, why don't you ever see headlines, psychic wins lottery? These are things that make you go, hmm, okay. Why is abbreviated such a long word? Why is that doctors call what they do practice? Hmm. Why is the time of day with the slowest traffic called rush hour? Hmm. Why is the man who invests all your money called a broker? (laughs) Now, what's up with that? Why isn't there mouse-flavored cat food? Hmm. Bet you never thought it is, huh? Uh, when, When dog food is new and improved in taste, who tests it? Why didn't Noah swat those two mosquitoes? Don't know. You know that indestructible black box that's used in airplanes? Why don't they make the whole airplane out of that stuff? Hmm. Why don't sheep shrink when it rains? I've pondered this many times. Why are they called apartments when they're stuck together? If con is the opposite of pro, is Congress the opposite of progress? I didn't say it. If flying is so safe, then why do they call the airport the terminal? Don't know. Things that make you go, hmm. So Jesus is being questioned. If you've been with us, talking about questions, nice little segue. You know that we are in the last week of the life of our Lord. Jesus is in the temple. Okay, you know this. And he's kind of being questioned. He's being examined by the scribes and the Pharisees and the religious leaders. And the first question we've pointed out in the week, in weeks past is a question of authority. 
Chapter 21, verse 23, they said, by what authority or what right do you have to do the things that you do? And then the second question was a question of not authority, but of responsibility. In chapter 22, verse 17, they asked, is it okay or is it right to pay Caesar what is due Caesar? And Jesus said, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and give to God the things that belong to God. And then last week, we looked at a question, the third question, which is a hypothetical question of eternity and the resurrection. As Jesus said, I am presently the God of Abraham. If you were with us, you know. If you weren't, you can order a CD. But Jesus said, I am presently the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, pointing out that they are alive in the resurrection. Therefore, there is a resurrection. And I like to think that Jesus was kind of in a ring. And it was like round one, authority. Round two, responsibility. Round three, eternity. And each round, Jesus was like one, two, three, knockout punch. One, two, three, knockout punch. And this was a knockout punch to the Sadducees. Why? Because they did not believe in the resurrection. They didn't believe in anything spiritual, anything eternal, angels, anything. They didn't believe in anything supernatural. So Jesus, one, two, three, knockout punch. The Pharisees, they're standing there and they're probably like, great. Jesus got them. Now notice what happens after that. Matthew chapter 22 in verse 34. Saints, if you're with me, say amen. And when the Pharisees in verse 34 heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him and saying, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus said in verse 37, Hey, would you mind reading it with me? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Oh, keep reading. This is the first and greatest commandment. Keep reading. And the second is like it. Hold it. The second is like it? Yeah. In other words, Jesus says the second is right alongside the first. It's like it. Just like it. You shall love your, read it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Stop right there. Notice when the Pharisees heard Jesus Silence the Sadducees. This word silence is an interesting word. It literally means to restrict the opening of the mouth or to muzzle the ox. In other words, I guess in our today language, Jesus shut them up. Jesus silenced them. He put them in their place and they were speechless. It was at that time that the Pharisees are probably happy. And they gather together in their holy huddle to plot their next move against Jesus. So they send one of their lawyers. Now, notice in in Mark chapter 12, which is a parallel account, it tells us that they sent a scribe. So as you put the two Gospels together, we know that they sent a lawyer who was also a scribe. 
Now, in those days, in Jesus' day, when you had the combination, listen, the combination of a lawyer and a scribe, this guy was an expert in the things of the law. He was a special expert in the law. And he was a special expert in the law who was really good at debating. So you understand now that they send out a lawyer who is a scribe. He's a special expert and he's an expert in debating as well. I like to say that they sent out to Jesus an academic Goliath to challenge him. I'm just amazed at how people are so afraid of this one man. Remember, he's in the garden, he's praying. And when they sent the soldiers to get him, they sent 600 soldiers to get one man. Hello? I mean, you know, I mean, Jesus, how, good, how big could he have been? I mean, I, I just don't really imagine, don't really picture Jesus as this super huge, massive buff guy. But they send out the big guns. Come on. 600 guys to take one man? And now they send an academic Goliath to challenge Jesus, to debate with Jesus. They were afraid of Jesus because he is the power of God and they knew it. And so they send a scribe who is a lawyer and he comes to Jesus and he says, teacher. And, you know, it's probably buttery words, you know, kind of flowing. Teacher, you're testing him. The Bible tells us he was testing him. So his heart wasn't right. He wasn't right. He wasn't right. Teacher, oh, what is the greatest commandment in the law? Now, what he's asking is, is, is Jesus, what is actually he's asking, what is the weightiest commandment? What is the heaviest commandment in the law, he asked. Now, these scribes and these lawyers, or the scribe who was a, also a lawyer, was in that culture in Jesus' day known as a letterist, a letterist. And letterists were men who studied the law by looking at each letter in the law. They would take the scrolls and they would study each letter in the law and they would count each letter. And then these guys would develop a numeric value for each letter to find the secret meaning, to find the hidden meanings within each letter in the law. Sound familiar? Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, there was a recent bestseller, New York Times bestseller list. The Da Vinci Code. Oh, Pastor Rodney, have you read the Da Vinci Code? Uh, people have asked me, right, Pastor Rodney, have you read the Da Vinci Code? I said, no, you haven't. Oh, it's a book about God. I don't need to read a book about God. I'm still working on this one. You <laughs> see? <laughs> Whoa, man, I got 66 books about God. But anyways. Oh, well, you've read the Da Vinci Code. And, you know, and, and I honestly do know what the book is about. And I can tell you this here. With all respect to the author and with all respect to the people, I have not really read the Da Vinci Code and I don't plan to read it. And the reason I don't plan to read it because it is a book of heresy. It is not of God. The author himself says of himself that he is a Christian. 
He says, although not in the traditional sense, he says he follows his own path of enlightenment and considers himself a student of many religions. That's what the author of the Da Vinci Code says of himself. And so the book has all kinds of weird heresies and all kinds of weird teaching about the relationship between Mary and Jesus and just weird stuff, as well as counting the numeric values of the letters written in the Bible to discover the secret meaning. Can I tell you, there is nothing secret about this book. Can I tell you, should I tell you, the Bible says, the Bible is clear. If you are a born again believer, you have the spirit of God dwelling within you. You are the temple of the living God. You have the author of this book living within you to lead you and teach you and guide you in all truth. And our God is not a God who gives us a book and tells us, now go figure out the secret meaning. Go discover the secret things and, you know, count the letters and count the commas and every jot and tittle to find out the secret things and they might be revealed unto thee. That's not God. Our God is a God whose yes is yes and his no is no. It's right here. And all we need to do is read the word of God and say, God, speak to me through the word. You have the author. It'd be like if you're reading a John Grisham book and and John Grisham is there sitting in your living room with you. And you're reading his book. And you get to chapter two and you go, John, what is that? What did you mean? And John says, well, this is what I meant. This is what I'm saying. This is kind of my point. Oh, I get it. I get it. Okay. Oh, yeah. Now, over in chapter 10, John, what, was that? what did that mean? And he goes, oh, well, then it means this, and it means that, and it means this, and it means that. Oh, okay, I get it. You had the author sitting right next to you while you're reading the book that he authored. The same is true of the scriptures. We have the author of the book, the Holy Spirit, living with inside of us. All we have to do is say, Father, what did you mean? I'm preparing to teach a book of Revelation and talk to some pastors. This was a while ago. Talk to some pastors. And uh, I'm going to teach a book of Revelation. Really? Why? Well, because it's in the Bible. Oh. Well, um, you can't do that. Really? Why? I ask. They say, because. I mean, it's deep. I mean, you can understand it. I said, well, I can. (laughs) You can? Yeah. So can your (laughs) six-year-old. Really? Because we have the Holy Spirit, enough of that. We have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. You don't understand the Bible? I'll tell you what. Here, you're not getting anything out of the Bible reading? Do this. Before you read the Bible, just open it up and just go, God, speak to me through your word. Teach me what you want me to know. Amen. And then start reading. He'll change it, and he'll start telling you what you need to know. So these letterists, these lawyers, they were into debating the law. They were more into debating the law than they were into doing the law. Boy, doesn't that sound like a lot of Christian folks? Some folks like to argue. Some folks rather debate. Some folks rather get into controversy. You know, they, wanna, they love to the de- debate. The sovereignty of God versus the responsibility of man. 
Did God choose me or did I choose God? That is the question. Can I lose my salvation? All of these things people want to debate. Listen, too often we spend so much time in debate and little time in doing. You got to get busy doing the things you know and you won't be preoccupied with debating the things that you don't know. That's why I say and have asserted that I don't need new revelation. Saints, there's a lot of talk about revelation. There's a lot of talk about revelation. Listen, I don't need new revelation. I'm still working on the old revelation. I, I can't really get all that. I don't need nothing new until I get a hold of what I already have. This will take me a lifetime. This is a lifetime of revelation. Are y'all hearing me? This is, a, this is a lifetime of revelation. If God never says another word to you personally, he's already said it through his word. You don't need any more revelation. Tell you what, you'll get a new revelation. Keep on reading this. And when the rapture happens and you find yourself in the blink of an eye in, the, in heaven with the father, you're going to look around. You're going to see a new revelation. You're going to be like, whoa, man. Woo. Look at that. Look at that. Look at that. Oh, the Father, Jesus. We don't need a new revelation. Let's just deal with this. Now, briefly, high level, we can learn many things from what Jesus is teaching here. I'm going to give you four points this morning on what we can learn as Jesus is actually teaching on love. Point number one, you're taking notes. Here's the word for the day. The word for the day is L-O-V-E. Love. Notice in verse 40, Jesus takes the whole law. Did you get that? Jesus takes the whole law and he reduces it down to one word, love. You see that? Look at verse 40. On these two commandments, what commandments? The two we just said, you shall love the Lord in verse 37. And then the second one, you shall love your neighbor. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. On two commandments hang all the law. Now, I understand when we think of the law, we think of the Ten Commandments because much of our theology has learned, been learned from Charlton Heston. <laughs> In the Ten Commandments, we see Charlton coming down like Moses and he's carrying the two tablets. And on both the tablets, on one tablet, on the first tablet, speaks of the commandments as it relates to our relationship and God. So the first tablet deals with your vertical relationship to God. You shouldn't have any false gods. You shouldn't have any other gods. You shouldn't take the Lord's name in vain. The first table or tablet of stone dealt with our relationship to God. The second tablet deals with our horizontal relationship, not to God, but to man. So you've got the first tablet dealing with your relationship to God. You can go look this up in Exodus 20 later. But it deals with your relationship to God. And then the second tablet deals with your relationship to man. But the scribes actually determined, listen, that there were not 10 commandments, but 613 of them. So, and they divided them. 248 of them were positive or things you should do. And 365 of them were prohibitions. Don't do. It's almost like one don't do for every day of the week. Or I'm sorry, for every, yeah, every day of the year. 365 of them. 
don't do this and don't do that. So when they come to Jesus, they're actually asking which of the 613 commandments are the greatest, trying to get him involved in controversy. But notice Jesus' classic and brilliant answer. He said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And that's the first and the greatest commandment. And then the second is like the first. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus is quoting from what the Jews call the Shammai. Taking notes, S-H-E-M-A, the Shammai. Some pronounce it Shema. Jesus is quoting from the Shammai. And it means to hear. He's quoting Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 and 5, which reads, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. And then Jesus goes on to say, and the second is like the first, now Jesus is taking Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18, And he's putting it along. Listen, Jesus is doing something that teachers don't do. They were shocked in that day when he did this. He's taking a verse from the Shema in Deuteronomy. And then he's taking Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18, which says that you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And he's putting them together and saying they're the same. Teachers didn't do that in Jesus' day. So the Pharisees are listening at this. And, and, and Jesus is doing something that is brilliant. They're blown away. And they probably look at each other and Jesus says, love God and love others. And they look at each other and they go, dude, that's deep. Man, that's heavy. So Jesus is teaching here that loving God and loving others is the same. But you want to notice, first of all, he says what? That you are to love God first. Notice the order is the greatest commandment. Why? Because Jesus knows the important thing, the most important thing you can ever, ever, ever do in your life. Listen, the most important thing you can ever do in your life is to love God first. Amen, saints? Love God first. Love him before your wife. Love him before your kids. Love him before your job and your money and your business and your in-laws and your outlaws. Amen. You love God first. Before your family and career and friends, you love God first. It was a prince of preachers, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, and he said this. I love this quote. He said, we must give the Lord... Our love, or that love will go somewhere else. We are so created that we must love something or other. If the ever-blessed one does not win our love, the world, the flesh, or the devil will gain it. Isn't that true? You've been created to love. You're going to love something. Somebody wrote a song. You're going to serve somebody. You're going to love something. Jesus says, love me first. Notice he says, with your heart, with your soul, and with your mind. Notice with your heart, that's your innermost being. Love him with your soul. This refers to your emotions or your will or your volition. I willingly love you, Lord. And then love him with your mind. Ah, that's interesting. Love him with your mind? You mean when you become a Christian, you don't have to check your brain at the door? No. You need to love him with your mind. You know, some people really believe that when you become a Christian, you check your brain at the door because you no longer need it because now it's all the spirit, man. Man, it's all spirit. 
I remember years of leaving the church and Sunday mornings, we we're like, oh, did you feel the spirit? Oh, the spirit was high. Oh, the spirit. Oh, did you feel the spirit? The spirit of God was moving. Did you feel the spirit? Hey, well, 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 yeah, but what was the word about? What did they teach? I don't know, but I felt the spirit, man. I don't know, but the spirit was high. It's like, what? And so, you know, people think that when you become a Christian, you don't need your brain anymore because now it's all the spirit. That's not what the Bible says. Jesus says, love them with your mind. You know, that, you know what that says to me? Study the word. Get to know the word of God. Get to know this book called the Bible, because this book called the Bible is God's love letter to you. Did you know that? It's God's love letter to you. What do you do with a love letter? You keep it. You cherish it. It's near and dear to your heart. I don't know. Have you ever gotten a love letter? I was in Saudi Arabia in December 90, and uh, my wife, uh, she sent me a love letter Every day while I was there. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at one 800 293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the media library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.